1: Don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call.
0: Good day to you. It's a Friday afternoon. Warm welcome to the call. Ten stocks picked by you. Two expert guests all in an hour. It's Friday the 5th of March. I'm Nadine Blaney. A big welcome to viewers watching on Twitter and Facebook. We do this program every weekday from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. You can find us always at ozbiz.com.au or via our app. I've been excited about this show. We've got two great guests for you. Here with me in studio, Bay Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners. Welcome. Good to see you today. Great to be here. And we've got Claude Walker from A Rich Life joining us remotely, but still good, Claude. Nice to see you again. How are you doing today? La- What's your view on uh, markets this week? It's been a big one with bonds still very much top of mind.
2: Well, it has been a big week. And I'm sorry I can't be in this studio today uh, to discuss face-to-face. But basically, I think we're finally seeing the the steam come out of the tech stonk rally. And uh, now all of the carefree growth investors who've been lording it over Uh, the more careful conservative investors have have got to take their medicine so that's a good that's a good time for all of us to just take a look at our portfolios and and make sure we're holding stuff that we really understand for the long term
0: yeah he had a bit of a grin on his face there, june bay i mean there has been a shift and is that the sage advice you know you need to expect that cycles are going to happen you need to adjust accordingly
1: Well, absolutely. Um, Our view is that you always need to run a portfolio with diversified assets with great companies from every sector if you can find them. Um, And, um, you know, if anything, uh, the tech sell off in the past couple of weeks, or actually uh, the tech, um, you know, sell off in the last uh, month or so, um, Mm -hmm. is providing good opportunities. But of course, you know, it is going to be under more pressure as the bond yield goes higher. Um, But, um, you know, not just the tech sector, we're actually seeing sell off um, across some of the uh, commodity space as well in more recent. so you know for investors this is actually a great opportunity to take advantage of those weaknesses and build some of those uh, um, great companies that will grow
0: well then maybe that brings us to the stock of the day I've picked zero today XRO is the ticker code so yesterday we learned that it's acquired a European workforce management platform plan day in a cash and shares deal in a bid to help customers control labor costs Zero is paying up to 183.5 million euros. It's expected to contribute about three percentage points of additional operating revenue growth in FY22, though the transaction costs we're told will have a modest negative impact on earnings in the short term. Pick zero, guys, because zero has been coming under a lot of pressure. Yesterday, today down by 1.4%. Jimbe, is zero getting caught up in this tech sell-off? Or was there something about that deal that investors are not liking?
1: Um, I think the deal is an amazing deal and it is consistent with their strategy. Um, the share price come off is mainly because of the tech sell off, and share price has underperformed by pretty much, I think it fell uh, close to 40% in the past um, couple of months. So uh, it underperformed a lot. It has made a great acquisition consistent with the plan. It is a business that has um, pretty much dominated um, the accounting software space um, here in Australia and New Zealand and gone to to UK that has done uh, you know very well there looks like it will um, you know have a very dominant market share there and even US is making good inroads now um, its strategy is to become not just accounting software but a platform for SMEs um, you know and on that basis they're making the right acquisition which is a more payroll system um, and then that will broaden the out um, its product offering to the customers where it's already have dominant share in the accounting software so our view is that it has increased its growth opportunity um, and um, you know this tech is providing great opportunity to be buying this stock. So
0: at $114, you would be buying zero. you wouldn't be waiting for any further pullback?
1: Uh, look, you probably wouldn't buy 100% of your entire holding today, but certainly you'll be building a position from here on.
0: Uh, Claude, so this uh, platform that will see zero push into Europe in a more significant way comes after a big cap raising that was done late last year. There were questions at that time. What was Zero going to spend it on? Because they hadn't done a meaningful acquisition in quite some time. So do you see this as a start of, you know, an M&A cycle perhaps for Zero?
2: It's almost as if you read my mind. Uh, so what they did is they raised capital very cheaply, which is just a testament to the strength of their business and the willingness for investors to say, we we think that this is good business. It's going to be around in 10, 20 years. And so they can raise capital cheaply. Now, I think I'm not as bullish as uh june on this particular acquisition just because i feel like they paid a high price at a heady point in the market but on the other hand they can afford to and still create value when they can raise uh a, you know capital through convertible notes so cheaply so um if this even has half the uh, strategic rationale that Junbei thinks it does and i think it almost certainly does then um, I think it'll work out well for them. And what's more, to your question, I think we will see more acquisitions, which is also just a feature of the fact that Zero is now a more maturing business. So it's already moved over break even. It can use its platform to really start rolling up other companies with synergies, as well as just the organic growth that we've seen get it this far.
0: So uh, same question to you, because it's all about buying on the day, isn't it? Um, Jimbei noted that it has pulled back over the past while it's currently at about $114 we are talking about that narrative of more steam potentially coming out of tech names and sometimes when we see that happen it's it's not it's across the board right it's not necessarily picking the bad from the good so would you be comfortable buying zero today or would you you know perhaps wait to see if there's a f- further pullback
2: i i would wait for a further Full pullback and I'll tell you why I think the price got very heady in zero very very heady indeed above 130 dollars we saw uh, the founder and another director selling shares at that price and also it just benefited from this massive momo rally in all of the tech stock names well guess what zero is probably the best quality tech stock no second best quality tech stock sorry Prometheus, on the um ASX and so um why why wouldn't everyone want to buy it when there's that momo everyone buys it everyone piles in all of these names are going to come down now and i think that zero will will come down a little more and i but i'm a holder and i'm certainly not selling and if it gets down to about 90 dollars, i reckon i would buy more shares so uh yeah i'm waiting for a little more of a pullback at least um but I just think it got too expensive and that's not the fault of the business. This is a great business. I intend to be a long-term holder and I would like to build my position.
1: But hold now. So just a point on about, you know, being tactical about timing of when to buy those really high quality businesses um, there, you know, so one example is a claw talk about, you know, I'm waiting for the share price to come back. A lot of people are waiting on the sideline, waiting to buy those stocks. So you just don't know, um, you know, where that floor might be. And uh, it could be tomorrow. It could be in a week's time. So often for a long term investor, you've got to be a little bit more strategic because in five years, you know, the share price is higher than what it is today. Mm-hmm. Or even in two years, you know, the company will be a whole lot larger because because the way they've been growing across those businesses or the acquisitions they're going to make. So, um, you know, it's it's really about just, um, you know, take advantage of all those sell off and maybe don't get set in one day, but you can Mm -hmm. just start building positions because you just don't know which is the day that's going to turn.
0: All right. Well, I'm glad I asked about zero. I hope our viewers enjoyed that one as well. Seemed topical to me. Let's get into the companies that have been put to us from our viewers. And this one is for a couple of our viewers, for Charlie, who's asking about Macquarie Group. Also, another viewer, Maggie. Hello, Maggie, says, could the banks be safe investments for part of one's portfolio at a certain age? Which bank perhaps has the best growth recovery prospect? So let's just start with Macquarie first. We had a recent upgrade. Coming from Macquarie, uh, you know, up by about 5 to 10 percent, improved performance from the commodities market. What's not to like about Macquarie?
1: Um, There's nothing not to like about it. (laughs) I think that is the thing. So Macquarie, well, that's probably not a great statement, but uh, look, Macquarie is very well positioned. Um, You know, if you take a 12 month view or even longer, um, it has the highest growth profile, um, um, you know, on the two year view across all the banks um, and it's more internationally exposed um, and as well as it's, uh, um, you know, direct exposure into all that that renewable energy and renewable space. So, um, you know, it's it's well positioned and that certainly is going to be a bank that should be in anyone's portfolio Um, you know recently it delivered some fantastic results Um, it's uh, firstly upgraded its earnings um, by uh, big expectation by something more than 20% and then it upgraded earnings again um, you know just a couple weeks later so um, incredible earnings momentum certainly it is one bank that you do want to hold uh, in the portfolio now compared to Macquarie there's uh, you know some of the domestic banks I must say they are looking increasingly interesting as Mm -hmm. well and they look they cheaper and uh, they're actually currently in a good cycle and all of them had a pretty good earnings Um, share price has performed quite well as well uh, more recently for the domestic banks but um, if anything I think you should have more banks in your portfolio at this point
0: okay Um, so I will push the point just for Maggie because she will pull me up on it herself do you have a bank you know one of the big four that you think is the safest that will show the best growth in this cycle
1: the safest will be Macquarie Bank. Okay. Yeah, at this point. Um, it is more expensive, but mm-hmm. I will be holding Macquarie Bank, but I also will be holding a domestic bank. Uh, the name I would hold is um, ANZ.
0: Okay. Thank you for that, June Bay. And Claude, I'll go to you. I noticed that most of the brokers are really positive on Macquarie. City is not negative, but it does have a sell rating with a target price of 125. Its price is currently 143. So how do you make the maths stack up? Macquarie if it in fact uh, is a bank that you would own?
2: So I definitely agree with Junbae that this is is the number one bank I would own if I were going to own a bank. Now, just because I don't hold banks doesn't mean it's a bad idea for other people. As you know, that's just not my style. I like Macquarie the best because I basically think it's probably a better business with some of the uh, top bankers in Australia. And uh, what's more, I see them doing really smart things overseas. So they recently bought the, at a big deal, bought the Green Investment Bank. Uh, And while that, you know, it's not the whole thing at the moment, uh, I think that's going to be a really good thing uh, that will attract really huge sums of money going forward. Like this is actually attaching themselves to probably one of the strongest tailwinds in money management in, in this next decade. So I see them in a massive position to just grow their... Uh, all parts of their business, but I I probably see them, you know, more as an asset manager going forward that could have its positives or negatives, but I'm happy. I'd be, if I were going to buy any bank, it would be Macquarie. Um, Right now you get a dividend yield of of 3.1%, but over the cycle that should improve. And so, yeah, I basically, you know, the proposition in the question was, could this be a a fairly safe investment for a long-term shareholder? Look, it's going to be volatile. It's going to be cyclical. That's what banks are like. But yeah, I, I would say that Macquarie is a decent one.
0: Okay, so it's a hold. I'm going to say for from you, um, Jube, Just the just the the level that it's at. I mean, being sold off to the tune of two percent today. So, what is a reasonable price to pay for Macquarie?
1: Oh, I think um, today's off two percent. Um, you know, I'll be happy to buying this um, this stock at the current price. Um, you know, share price will be volatile. Um, you know, based on what the market is doing. But mm-hmm. take a longer term view, um, trajectory is up.
0: Okay, totally different sector, totally different company. Let's get to the next question that came to us from Samuel. This is for cash rewards, the rewards-based loyalty card. Uh, It's different from most others because it offers back cash. So Jumbe, one way to think of this, I think, is as well, um, you know, owning your own data, right? So Mm. you're using these loyalty cards for what? This one actually gives you money back. Do you Mm. like that model?
1: Uh, it's actually very interesting. Um, I, I um, you know, I thought it's very innovative. It is actually quite large that space, um, uh, that loyalty program, sort of affiliate network, sort of space in the US is actually quite, uh, quite large. Uh, so these businesses can actually grow to quite a large size because simply because um, you know the customers for people that's using it, it's uh, you know cash back, cash on hand by just simply doing your daily shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are seeing it's still very early at infancy in Australia. We're seeing quite a little many. Uh, uh, little business models rising so whether you actually get cash on hand or um, you know there's a business out there they're actually putting um, you know those rewards back into the superannuation mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's actually a very fascinating space um, I think this space will certainly be bigger but look it's still at its infancy so for me it's probably more watch and see um, but fascinating business model and overseas um, example have demonstrated that uh, it is a viable business model
0: yeah um, I think to based point Claude So in Australia, I was reading that there's only three to 4% penetration in terms of the total retail sector. But if you take a look at what this kind of model does overseas, it's between 20 and 30% in the US and the UK. Did you do a bit of digging into cash rewards? What do you make of it?
2: Yeah, well, I absolutely did, because as you know, this is like the the naughty, like the the risky end of the market that I love to look at. But oh, I definitely don't like this one, not To disagree with anything that they said, like basically I do agree that this is a space to watch. But what we saw with with cash rewards was an IPO when the market's very hot for this kind of business at the end of last year. And basically what I do is I monitor a number of platforms and I have very long lists of what I would call like contras. That is people who often might be involved in a stock that really try to pump the uh, price up short term. And what we saw with cash rewards was after the listing, a huge involvement of those Contras. So that, what that tells me is that if you're buying cash rewards while those Contras are really trying to push it out at the, at the beginning of January and say, buy buy this is amazing, get on board, you're going to lose money. That's just what happens every time. This is, now maybe in the end, you, in, in 10 years, maybe it's a bigger thing, but it's just too high a price right there. And I think what we're going to have right now is a lot of people that are holding on a loss making position. Um, and now the people that were pushing this stock, they've long sold out, they sold out probably before. And so now what we have is a situation where there's a massive overhang. There's a lot of unhappy holders. And then the worst thing about this one is if you look at their most recent quarterly, they spent 5 million on marketing, yet their cash receipts were just flat quarter on quarter. So, Yes, this business is going to be in a space. Yes, this business is real. Yes, it, it might be a buy at the right price. Uh, but yeah, just absolutely just too many red flags for me to avoid, uh, to me to touch it anytime soon. You need to have a good six months, a year, see the track record. Was this overpricing that happened at the, after the IPO? Was that just a one-off thing that wasn't really part of the company's fault? Or in, in which case, maybe it's a buy down the track at a lower price. Or is it actually showing that actually people are trying to offload this stock and it's not very good? Maybe it's a very competitive space. Don't forget the attraction here is for consumers that want to save money. I don't know if that's necessarily the most profitable um, segment. It's certainly not at their current size. Offsetting that, you know, definitely a real business. And so there's probably a price this is worth a look. But not now.
1: Uh, I think the, uh, also just a point to add as well um, because when market is in the sort of sell-off and um, sort of mode um, especially you know when market want to sell all the you know large tech mm-hmm. and the like um, the smaller names like those ones in the similar sort of space tend to move a lot larger um, so if afterpay goes down 5% or people selling all the tech um, the micro cap space because there's lack of liquidity share price will move by a long way so um, you know they are far more risky compared to the larger proven business Business models where it's and also it's more liquid and you know easier to buy and sell so um, you know with these businesses it's absolutely um, you know very critical to really understand the, um, the business model mm-hmm. before you invest because you know it's uh, it can either go up very quickly and disappear very quickly
0: yeah all right yeah. so that is cash rewards fantastic here's the next <laughs> name on the list it's a Friday why not FUN, this is for Sandra. I don't have any context around the nature of the question in regards to Fantastic. so I think maybe we should just talk about the company in general. Uh, you know, it's made some moves, it's bought the hobby warehouse, toys are us, babies are us, hobby warehouse, yeah. Um, so that means that it's in the retail space. Is it in the area of retail that you think will continue to benefit as we move through this economic recovery,
1: yeah. So um, I think this is the business actually benefited a lot from the lockdown and the shut-in shops because they deliver a lot of their sales, generate a lot of their sales online. Um, so um, you know they made, um, they raised money and uh, they made good move for buying some of those businesses that were struggling. Um, and um, and you know share share price has rewarded um, the investors for that period. But I think as the reopening take place, um, this business might will struggle in terms of the um, you know, to cycling the previous, um, previous top uh, you know, strong comps mm-hmm. um, and, um, yeah, and to me it's, it's, it's probably not, um, not to be in that stock. But I do remember this company years ago, uh, one of the great thing about being shareholder, they used to run all these toy shows um, <laughs> and uh, the goodie bag has always been fantastic. <laughs>
0: not enough to, keep, yeah, to, to get right. you to buy it though on this day. Uh, look, fantastic, it also sold off its sweets business to Sweet Season for just over a million dollars, so obviously there's a bit of a strategic shift happening at Fantastic. I get the feeling this is not the kind of company you'd want to be invested in, Claude, so give us your rundown as to why not.
2: Well I'm getting the feeling that Junbei is very nice, like that was a very polite way of saying avoid, so you know I'm sorry that I don't have that that uh, that flourish um, <laughs> for me looking looking at this one I mean this this company is basically a running joke for long-term small cap uh, focused investors because of course we just go over this small part of the market time and time again and this one's one of the most remarkable disasters that you can ever seen like just go into that brokerage and look at the long-term share price and you can just see the absolute destruction of wealth for any shareholders it's been recapitalized not that long what we've seen is that rise recently, in exactly as you say, they're trying to attempt a turnaround. So they've done a, out, a cost out. Um, they've they've had a, a fair few board changes, I believe. They've got a new CEO coming in, and um, they've also bought uh, the the Australian company that has the sort of toys R us and babies R us stuff. Um, and they bought that, you know, for about one times revenue. But get this, it only it only contributes less than. Uh, it's, it's not a very profitable business basically so yeah they're buying it cheap on revenue but it doesn't mean it's going to make a profit and i think what we're about to find out is whether indeed the previous problem with this company was management or as i suspect it's just a really hard business and they just haven't got the secret sauce so Look, maybe it's maybe it's a turnaround, maybe it's one to watch. I think it's a good question by the by the viewer like why why not see if you can get a turnaround here, but honestly, I prefer play a turnaround in like in a in a in a space that has like good qualities of the business. So we're talking high margins, high incremental return on capital and something where you can see where the problem was. I think the problem with this one is it's a hard business. They're touting improved gross margins from 20 something to 30%. 30% gross margins for me. Ooh, that's really hard to get a net margin, you know, at the bottom of the, at the bottom line. So, you know, uh, look, this could get interesting new CEO turnaround to watch maybe, but you can definitely count me out. I won't be buying. And, and in fact, I'd probably be selling cause I'm not just convinced. I'm just not convinced that it will be an easy business to make compounding returns for shareholders on. It's just a hard business.
1: I think one of the most challenging thing for um, you know selling toys and all of that is that our um, discount, well our department stores or discount department stores uh, such as Target and Kmart are very good in sourcing a lot of those products. Um, so you know so the incremental margin is just very very limited. Um, so that's why I think for years they struggled um, like. Claude nicely, but <laughs> they, they did struggle. But look, you know, they have made, um, you know, pretty cheap acquisitions and bought those brands. And, um, you know, you just have to see how they go and uh, whether that's sustainable.
0: June Bay, can I put you on the spot? Is there a retailer that you really love right now? Uh,
1: uh, actually, yeah, in my mind, racing through so many names. Uh, look, I, I do. Um, there's this uh, little company called Universal Store. Yeah, um, and um, youth you know,
0: sort of focused fashion.
1: That's right, yeah. and um, very youth. Um, you know, um, I, I must say the teenage trends um, certainly has uh, looked very different <laughs> from uh, for, from what I would wear. But uh, you know, I think it's uh, they're in the right spot. There's a lot of demand for it. Um, they got uh, really good growth profile coming through, and um, you know, I think this is one retailer. It does certainly does have uh, quite a lot of um, you know good um, growth uh, forecasting in the next couple mm-hmm. of years. Um, for other mature retailers, going to be a bit because they all had really strong comps. Um, so, you know, as we start cycling, um, you know, that lockdown period, um, the stimulus period, um, you know, many of them will struggle to really face that, um, you know, the strong comps, mm-hmm. so, so the earnings will fall. Uh, whereas this one, we do expect earning to do well. Um, other names is that I think the furniture retailers looks okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the housing momentum is going to continue for quite some time. Um, you know, the likes of Nick Scully, um should um, do quite well through that period um, over the next year or too you know just looking at the housing approval um, and uh, the pent-up demand is still pretty strong
0: yeah the housing market is just you know fascinating sorry I did put you on the spot there but (laughs) thank you I knew you could do it Um, let's get to our next uh, company on the list and that's Tyro payments I might start with uh, you on this one Claude so uh, the result was actually better than some had expected Um, the debt card scheme has seen cost restructuring uh, the margin uplift uh, could be temporary, according to one of the brokers, and then you've got I suppose that Paul that was hanging over Tyro to start the year when they had the outages happening um, you know at the merchant level. Uh, do you like Tyro?
2: i I'm always interested in Tyro as a business, and I've run the rule over this one a number of times. In fact, I think if you if you google Tyro beyond the bricking, you can find something I wrote not not long ago after I looked at it when when we had this bricking issue, I think, you know what I mean? You know how the terminals stopped working for many merchants. Uh, So I think where I land on this one is this is a good business that I'm going to keep on my list and I'm going to keep watching it. But the problem is that its IPO was very well managed. And as a result, they received, in my opinion, a very high price. And basically this, basically to me, the expectations around this business even though it is a good business, have always been like a little bit too high and a little bit too much uh, optimism in there. So right now, um, what's happening with Tyro is that they're sort of becoming a little bit more like a bank and moving more into like uh, lending to merchants and stuff like that. Now that could um, well grow the business and I think it's probably the right idea. But the problem with that is that once it becomes more and more of a bank style business, then is it really going to manage to get this sort of high multiple of gross margin that it that it seems to ma- manage to hold at the moment um you know this this is not a dividend paying bank stock uh it's it's something that yeah it's it doesn't know whether it's uh a tech stock or a or more of a money lending stock and i think what you want to do is you want to wait until the market is saying oh this is a bank stock we need to Um, so we need to see see positive cash flows and profits and dividends and when it actually achieves those things i think it'll actually be in a good position to have system growth or above system growth for a while so i'm not going to bet against tyro uh but you know quite frankly um it just seems too too high like it needs too much growth to justify the current prices in my opinion so i don't see the upside on top of that we've got this in my opinion, terrible bricking incident, which really did hurt the brand, whatever you want to say about the recovery, it hurt the brand. Meantime, we have a very generously paid management team. And I just feel like there's a bit of a mismatch between the actual operation, operational performance of the business and how much the people managing it are getting rewarded for that. So yeah, I need to see a few, either the share price change, mostly I just need a lower share price. Um, and so it would actually be a sell from me, even though I actually think the business itself is good quality and I'm going to keep an eye on it.
0: Who doesn't like lower share prices, right, Bay? Do you like Tyro fundamentally? Um, I, I I, do. I absolutely do.
1: I think, you know, going through the list today, it's actually quite a good demonstration of showing what kind of investor I am and what kind of investor yeah. and uh, Claude is. Uh, so certainly Claude has a value bias. And, uh, you know, for me, I do like innovative business models and I like companies that have structural growth drivers behind them, um, especially those ones that have already, um, you know, demonstrated that good track record of delivering those growth um, and also a very big, um, you know, address more market where they can target now. Far from being like a bank, um, you know, Tyro, um, they are tackling the big bank, but their growth is far above the system. Um, and um, you know, and then they, um, you know, the, the payment system that do offer uh, at the moment only penetrating very very small parts of the market, and yet they're the fifth largest aggregator for that payments uh, solution for that space. Um, and um, and then what has also been happening is that um, because of the COVID lockdown um, and because a lot of, uh, um, you know, for hygienic reasons, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, places that, um, you know, um, the penetration of um, uh, tap, the the car payment um, is now um, uh, uh, being encouraged. Mm -hmm. So the actual usage of cash will be less and less in the system. So that will actually have a huge benefit to uh, many new categories that uh, that Tyro have yet to target. Um, So, um, you know, so the, the growth opportunity is enormous for this business. Not to also mention this, Tyros, one of the few tech actually has been impacted by the lockdown because the, currently the um, the category that they're most strong in is actually hotels, restaurants.
0: Hospitality. Hospitality, yeah. which
1: has been hit. Um, so, you know, with this reopening, we actually, um, you know, seeing the weekly data and Tyros being one of the most transparent company mm-hmm. listed in the tech company. Every Monday. Every Monday, you can see what the number look like. And so um, that actually made that short seller report that came out not so long ago um, quite difficult to stand up because, you you know every Monday we know what the sale look like so um, yeah so the business is actually a reopening trade as well as a very strong growth business and because the deal they signed with the Bendigo Bank more recently which will be launched very very soon uh, is going to deliver just on that going to deliver significant growth so um, look to me it is um, pretty good value for the growth it's going to deliver um, and um, and it's got a long way long runway ahead of it as well
0: down by close to 4% today Bay. So, you would be buying at these levels. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, that's a buy. So, this is really fun because they're not agreeing you know on everything so it's going to be tough to get anything into the portfolio today but you've got differing points of view that is what makes a market of course this is information only you do need to do your own research of course and uh do everything that's suited to your own personal circumstances i'll just put that out there i like to do that once a program for the benefit of everyone involved including our expert guests aristocrat leisure is the next one on the list Jim. i'm going to start with you all um is aristocrat a reopening play for you
1: it is it is and it's not okay (laughs) (laughs) well because a risk actually have a digital business which absolutely boomed during the uh, the lockdown um, you know because people can't go to the physical casino there was a lot of online gaming that was taking place and that's one of the hottest sector really in 2020 Um, so that part of business doing well now of course majority quite big part of the earning um, uh, given high margin um, really come from the land-based business which is based on um, you know the reopening of casino so yes it is a a reopening stock, um, although market much more fixated on the um, the digital side of growth. Now, um, the uh, in terms of the casino opening in the U.S., it's happening quite well. Um, still, only probably thirty percent, um, you know, reopened in terms of floor space. Um, and recently, they just uh, launched a couple of new games as well. Um, seems to be doing very very well. So, I think that a risk Aristocrat is a buy for me, and I think you should definitely put that in the um, reopening camp. Um, you know, and I think the result is coming up in May because it's a it's sort of, of different out of yeah. cycle. So um, the result is it should be in line with expectations, but, um, um, but I think going forward, it's uh, it's pretty good play.
0: Yeah, Morgan Stanley says that Aristocrat is the best place to continue to outperform its peers and gain market share in that participation gaming, that online gaming space. Claude, um, I don't think you like investing in gaming companies, do you?
2: no i that so i guess that's these are one of the strongest avoids for me just because of the damage that these pokies and and also online gambling does to people now obviously i'm not saying that we should ban all gambling but just the really these games are really optimized um to keep people playing as long as possible so it's a flashing lights like don't get me wrong people designing these games are extremely clever at, at at trying to addict you in and now a computer game can be addictive and we see that that actually hurts people sometimes but a computer game when you're also uh, using the money you need for your child's school uniform is really bad on society. And I just count down the days until one day there's a politician in power that has the guts to actually do something about this. You see many people try, but when that happens, you you will see if that, especially if it happens in the US and, and they're historically more against gambling than we are, so, um, you know, when that happens, one day there's gonna be a massive shock to this share price. I hope it's a day soon, probably won't be, but one day there will be. Do you just ask millennials about this thing, this kind of thing, like one day we're gonna be in power and we're gonna start doing stuff about this, it does so much harm to society. So yes, I agree with everything Bay said, except, you know, in, in the sense that the near-term stuff probably looks fine. That, that, and it's also good for the business that they're going more digital basically, because I reckon it's going to be a better business model for them. But, you know, for me, it's just an avoid on that on that black swarm event that hits the company one day.
0: Yeah. And so it's an ethical, ethical position for you as well. Uh, All right. That is where we get to the halfway mark. I'll do my best. Zero stock of the day. Uh, Look. Jubei is a big fan, she said that the deal that they've just done in Europe is a really good one. It's an amazing deal in fact, the share price has underperformed, some of that is in relation to the wider tech sell-off. It is a buy at these levels, you don't necessarily want to go all in uh, at these levels because it may come off further but it is right, you, know, you can feel comfortable building a position if you so desire. Uh, different point of view, a little bit from Claude, he thinks it's one of the best companies on the ASX second best tech stock, Prometicus, you'll always be first in Claude's eyes, I think. Uh, But he would be looking for a further pullback. And he... You know, says it around $90, whether or not to June's base point, it gets there, of course, is another question. But uh, look, he says that the capital raising is good for the company, um, but is just waiting for further pullback. And then he would likely add to his positions. Macquarie Group, it's a hold from Claude. He likes Macquarie the best out of the banks. He says they're smart bankers. Asset management is looking strong. Um, but it is a hold for him. It's a buy, though, for June Bay, who says it's really well positioned. It's got a great growth profile. And uh, it is one for the portfolio, particularly in the banking space. If you pushed her and you had to get her to name a bank, a local bank, domestic bank uh, of the big four, A and Z would be Junbei's pick. But that is a buy from June Bay. Cash rewards from both of my expert guests today. It's a watch and it's a wait. There is the potential for growth in this area, according to June Bay, with these loyalty programs and this unique take on it. But um, Claude just says there's a bit of a red flag It IPO'd the heat, uh, you know, when the heat was really in the market, you need to watch and and wait to see how this one shakes out. June Bay agrees, you know, it's a volatile, it's pretty risky, Um, also because it's pretty illiquid as well on the smaller end of things. Now, fantastic, I'll start with Claude. Pretty strong words. His, not mine. He calls it a joke. He says for the long-term small-cap investors, it's been looked at the as you know the ultimate, um, yeah, sort of value destroyer, I suppose. They're attempting a turnaround. He doesn't, um, you know, fault them for trying, but he just reckons that it's probably a really difficult business to be in. Junbei just says, look, it could benefit from the lockdown. There is a, you know. Uh, a transition taking place, but this one will likely struggle uh, through the reopening thematic. Uh, That brings us to Tyro Payments. This is a buy from Jim Bay from Tribeca. She says it's an innovative business model, structural growth, growth opportunity is huge for this one and it is also a bit of a reopening uh, play as well because of course it's leveraged to the hospitality industry. You know, you know those payments you've got to tap on the side for tyro uh, when it comes to claude he says look the ipo was very well managed uh he's got a bit of an issue with the with the um, issue that it had with its payment systems earlier in the year particularly when you consider how much management is getting paid he thinks it's a sell primarily because of the valuation he just thinks that the expectations are too high and it's uh quite exy as well. Aristocrat Leisure is a sell for Claude, he does not invest in those businesses, but it's a buy from Jim Bay because it's leveraged not only to the reopening trade as people get back into casinos, particularly in the US, but also it's leveraged to that online gaming narrative, which was so strong in 2020 and it's uh, showing no signs of slowing down. So that is an opening stock that will report in a couple months time. So keep an eye on that one. But at this time, it is still a buy for June Bay. So I hope I did them justice there. Let's check in on the AusBiz portfolio. This is thanks to our partner NavTrade. All of the companies that get a two thumbs up from or buy, essentially from both of the experts on the show on the day we've been putting in. I don't think it's gonna happen today, but let's check in on how we're performing. Weekly, we are down 3%, similar return over the month and year to date, a bit better there, we're up by close to 21%. Recently, we added Dragontail Systems, Vista Group, IDP Education, Integral Diagnostics, and Qantas. You can check out the portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. So I have given both of our guests a little bit of a chance to take a breather, have a sip of water. they been very generous with their thoughts. Uh, let's get to it though. John has written in asking about A2 Milk saying that now it's had downgrade after downgrade. Is it time to sell or time to top up? You know, hoping for that upside. A2 Milk, Bay. I mean, it's been a really difficult time for the company and shareholders as well. Absolutely, um, it's been an
1: incredible twelve month for that business. Um, you know, share price was um, probably the top two performing stock during the uh, um, the pandemic. Um, and uh, so what happened was um, the parents in um, in China, they pulled forward a lot of purchase, um, pantry stocking. So they bought a lot of infant formula. And uh, and then so, you know, there, so there was a lot of uh, earnings pretty much being pulled forward. Um, and uh, since then, of course, now you're uh, going through a period where, um, you know, all the shops are open, people are going back to the shops, but because they bought so many infant formula, mm-hmm. there's only so much you can eat. Um, so, you know, it's just the earnings going through a tough period of cycling those numbers. Um, will be similar to some of those other retailers we will see in 12-month time. Um, and, uh, so, but aside from that, because of the, the, the travel restrictions um, and uh, some of the lockdown in certain areas, um, the Daigo channel, which is a big channel for moving infant formula from here in Australia into, uh, into China, um, has, has been pretty much paralysed. Mm-hmm. So uh, because of the disruption to that uh, that channel it actually is quite difficult to move the inventory around because you know you can't plan the business based on suddenly one channel which has been big part of it suddenly disappeared. So um, that has created quite a bit of issue uh, for the earnings. So company has had three downgrades um, in the last yeah. five months, um, and um, you know in the last result certainly. W- I think every investor probably knew the result was going to be very weak and yet share price has come off significantly. Um, I think it's a great, fantastic brand. Um, I think it is a business that, yes, eventually will be taken out um, because brands are difficult to build. Um, you know, some of the thesis we had, again, uh, you know, with uh, Treasury Wine, for example, brands are difficult to build um, and they sit much better within a large portfolio, uh, larger portfolio, a larger sort of uh, branded um, mm-hmm. company. So, you know, we think this is further down the track, but you can't invest just based on someone might buy it right so um, I think you know the earning weakness is still to come um, but at these levels it's a hold for me um, but um, you know you do want to see um, the channel disruption uh, improve because um, this disruption could take longer than expected and it always take it will always take longer than expected. So mm-hmm. um, a prob- yeah, it's a hold for me at okay. this point.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one because Claude, it is isn't a downgrade cycle, but uh, you know, everything does have a price eventually. Is it nearing that for you in terms of A2 Milk?
2: Yes, it absolutely is getting interesting for me, uh, mostly because the brand is so valuable. The real question on my mind and, and why I hesitate with A2 Milk is what is indisputable is we are now seeing for the first time ever sort of discounting on a2 milk on Australian shelves. That is no longer flying off the shelves like it used to. Now, back in the heyday, not only do you have the direct uh, route to China, but also you still have people um, coming here to Australia for a holiday or um, through Daegu and basically uh, buying off Australian shelves. Now without that, it's, it's really hard for me to tell when that will bounce back. Like, obviously things are getting better and I would have thought that uh, China would be one of the first places that Australia would uh, would encourage tourism from basically I I would have hoped that we'd actually be really focused on um, getting Chinese tourists to come back to Australia because that would really be good for Australia however we are now currently having a diplomatic standoff with China and I what I want to see in order to buy um, A2 milk is uh, for Chinese tourists to return to our shores like Even if they don't buy any, it's just like they see it at the airport. It it helps build the brand over there. They can see that, you know, this is what we shop and this is what we have on our shelves and all of this sort of thing. It's good. Like that, that's what I'm waiting for. So Mm -hmm. for me, the trick with A2 Milk is check those supermarket shelves. How quickly is it moving off the shelves? Is it being discounted? When that starts picking up, I reckon that if the share price hasn't already run up by then, that's when I'd be buying. For now, probably it's a hold as well for me.
0: Okay, so we are, you know, 20 minutes left or less than in the program, but we're getting to a couple of companies that I don't know very well. Don't know if you do. 8 Common, this is a question coming to us from Darren. I'll start with you, Claude, 8CO is the ticker code.
2: Yes, great. So 8 Common, I own shares in. And not only that, but um, probably next week sometime or at some point soon, I'm really, like, interested in buying more shares in this because I think Junbei said uh, before, you know, when you have a sell-off, these smaller companies can come down more. Well, if we see that in eight common, then I think for me, it's a buy. Now let's just have a step back and say, what do they do? Well, their historical business is um, expense eight, which basically has a specialty in helping manage expense management in particular for government departments. Now they do have a number of large enterprise customers, but um, you know, the government is where they're so strong because they have, all of the special security measures that mean that they can provide, be a software provider to government. So in fact, I was talking to the CEO just a couple of days ago and he was saying how all of his software developers and stuff, they have to be Australian citizens to get the, like the vetting and stuff to allow them to sell into government like that. So this is a sweet little niche. This is a good niche, right? Mm-hmm. And previously I was just like, all right, I think I'd pay about 12 cents just for this business. Well, guess what? recently they've expanded into another business which is called card hero and now this basically you know how we have uh corporate credit cards that you know you might be able to spend on but they don't want to give that to everybody because each card might have a limit of five thousand ten thousand dollars they have a massive contingent liability if they if a company goes out and rolls out to every single employee even maybe more junior ones that have just started with the company Card Hero allows a preloaded card to be given to anyone, which limits that liability to whatever they put on the card. So if you have a low-level employee that needs to go and do a trip and they need some expenses for that trip, you can just put the amount that you Mm -hmm. need to for that card. So to me, this is a massive value add. Uh, And for companies, I think it's a better solution. Now, the CEO is very bullish this. I think it's a good idea, especially since they're already in government departments. If they can do the cross-selling there, then there's plenty of upside. For me, it's a buy, and I honestly, at around 15.5 cents, I could, but I'm not going to buy right after this show. But I'm going to be putting in a few orders for next week, just below the current price, and see if I get lucky. But it's <laughs> okay, a buy. Okay, so and not I even
0: waiting it. for that 12 cent on any potential pullback, Jumby. Do you like that? Story that's been
1: laid out. Um, I uh, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I haven't um, uh, heard of this company before, yeah. and uh, I looked into it. Um, look, mm-hmm. it's um, I like. Well, the story sounds interesting, um, but it is in that software distribution space. Um, um, that is, uh, um, although they have got a couple of good customers in governments and large businesses, um, it's just very, very, very competitive space. Um, and um, you know, it's uh, they the, the new the new product that's coming out. It sounds sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. but uh, but I think it's something for me to uh, I'll prefer to watch her from sidelines. yeah
0: watch and wait <laughs> from the sidelines on that one um, we're going to have to pick it up a notch Pentanet 5GG is the ticker code this is from Jeremy so a little bit of context for you Junbei uh, he says especially with them being the licensed partner to host Nvidia's highly anticipated game streaming service GeForce Now in Australia so there you go in that gaming space
1: <laughs> um, yes, so, so um, uh, uh, <laughs> that, I, I think that business um, sounds interesting, um, but um, my view is that, um, you know, it's, um, uh, you know, my view is that it is a very, very hot space. Uh, I, I'm not sure what Claude is going to say over there. Um, it is a very hot space and, um, and um, I, I just, you know, I, I much prefer to, um, to see them ge- generate a bit more uh, track record right yeah,
0: because it did look at the chart i mean it just claude we'll bring you in it did just ipo um we spoke yes, with the company exactly. around that time so again is this sort of a watch and wait see how this all evolves
2: definitely and i think Junbei's exactly said the exact key heuristic that everybody needs to know like anybody can learn this if it's something is a recent ipo in a hot space the odds are against you now that doesn't mean they're bad long-term businesses and that doesn't mean that it You know it's a it's a it's a bad business or anything wrong with it long term but the chances of that being a very heady price are very high Mm -hmm. very high right and the market knows so much less about this than the ipo people who are you know basically um in either recapitalizing or even selling out so to me this is a clear wait and watch especially especially when you've got this whole 5g hype stuff going on okay we just need to be careful of when something's super hype Not saying it's a bad business, but for me, I need longer to have any ability to judge a combination of first their words and then their actions. Mm -hmm. On top of that, there are a few other heuristics that make me a little bit nervous. Again, doesn't mean they're bad, but yeah, yeah, just just a a recent listing in a hot space from Perth is definitely a a wait and watch for me.
0: Ooh, drop Perth in there too. (laughs) Okay, energy one is number nine on the list. This one coming from Dylan. Claude, I'm going to start with you. We'll just have to keep it a little bit condensed, but EOL is the ticker code, uh, more traditional than uh, what we're seeing in Pentanet, and as well as Eight Common.
2: Yeah, right. So, will am um, just wrap me up when I have to? But yeah, basically, no. just for viewers to know, this is a company that sells energy trading software. So, big yeah. energy users that can be, um, you know, retailers, but also just like high-end, like you know, big manufacturers. Now. I own shares in this, and it's one of my favorite companies on the ASX, okay? So this is just exactly where I like to sit. It's software um, that is enterprise to enterprise, very sticky. And what's more, they've been getting a combination of organic growth plus acquisitions. Now, the real big story here is they've made two acquisitions in Europe, uh, Contigo and EZ Energy, which already had shared customers. And now they're managing to sell their existing Australian modules into those customer bases as well. They just had... A fantastic profit growth in their last report. Unfortunately, because it's such a, a, an infrequently traded stock, that chart doesn't really look proper. And that is probably the big risk that, we'll, that um, you, you have to know about. Like this is what's called a lobster trap. If you buy big on this and then something goes wrong, you may not have the liquidity to get out. Offsetting that, profits in the half year up a massive 398% to $2 million. Oh. You can see why I like it. Like this is the kind of small cap growth. This is under the radar yeah. stuff in a few years i predict the fundies are loving this stock because it's a hot tech stock right now they're avoiding it because it's a liquid uh
0: energy one so would you buy it today on the price that it's at i'm just looking into it would you buy it today
2: so i'm i already have it as my second biggest holding so i'm not buying today but i would buy it today just at least start building it because this is still under the radar growing strongly Mm -hmm. it could have a few ups and downs but just right. carefully keep an eye on this one. <laughs> I, I would buy it, yeah.
0: We can feel the excitement, Claude, I love it. Bay. we happen to have a Fundy in the house. Um, <laughs> It's illiquid. Is that sort of the that's the flashing light? That's
1: a big deal. Um, So liquidity is very, very important, especially for a newer company like this. Um, uh, When you feel, you know, when when a stock doesn't trade as much, it doesn't allow for proper price discovery. So, um, you know, like Claude said, if uh, if something goes wrong or if management didn't say the right thing, um, information didn't get disseminated properly, um, share price can be down seventy percent, just because one person is selling. So you know, it just, um, just with that kind of liquidity, you do demand a much. Um, Bigger discount, um, you know. So share price needs to be down. Uh, well, bigger discount to what you think the ultimate value is. Mm-hmm. Now, where the company is sitting, it certainly is a great um, thematic because I think ultimately the world is moving towards putting a price on carbon, and I think this, um, you know, this company potentially could offer a direct way to, you know, gain that really good exposure to that front. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, yeah, you know, due diligence required um, uh, for for a fundy to get into this. Certainly, you require r- liquidity. Um, it cannot not trade. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and uh, but it is um, you know it, it is something that's, um, that looks very, very interesting. All
0: right, and we will round it out with stock number 10. This is Janice Henderson group for Rob. JHG is the ticker code. What do you make of it Jim uh,
1: it's uh, it's it's quite interesting. It is very very cheap. Um, it's a fund manager yeah. um, that is um, you know based in Australia and US and um, UK, uh, Europe across Europe. And um, you know, business have struggled for years because of the um, you know the fund outflow. Mm-hmm. Um, although the market has gone up, but you know, they fund managers that has a lot of outflow and that they had a quite a bit of a turnover, staff turnover. Um, but um, but it's, it would seem uh, more recently things are getting a bit better. Um, and if anything they, uh, in the latest quarter, they actually have uh, displayed some uh, performance fee. Um, So they they started having pretty good performance. Mm -hmm. Um, In the last 12 months, six to 12 months, I think um, many of those fund managers that struggled for years have had good performance. So, um, you know, on that basis, actually the shares look pretty cheap, but don't forget, this is a stock also traded um, in the US. So it gets compared to the US um, uh, fund managers and they all trading at very, very low levels. So for me, I much uh, prefer the likes of Pendle, which is, um, you know it's also very cheap, not as cheap as this one also very cheap, but with much better momentum um, and uh, and I think they're close to um, you know getting pretty reasonably good um, inflow at some point. Um, so we saw a couple of positive inflow coming through more recently. So um, I think pandora is the one that I much prefer to hold. This one's cheap, but look it's just still in that transition phase it will take a bit longer. So that's to get a note from June Bay yes. for
0: you, no. Rob. Um, probably not your area, uh, very different from Energy one, but is Janice Henderson cheap enough, perhaps with improved performance to tempt you?
2: hard hard no on that and also it would be crazy to listen to me over June Bay on this one because she <laughs> obviously knows the industry better, but yeah no hard no on me for me with any business but especially fund manager, I'm looking for some sort of competitive advantage, and I just don't see it here so um you know even. I'm not saying at these prices, but even something like Pinnacle might have a better system or uh, basically, you know, Australian Ethical, which I do own. That's too pricey right now, arguably, but at least it has a competitive advantage. I want to see a competitive advantage in any kind of business, and I don't see it here.
0: All right, guys, that was a fantastic program. I'll do a quick run through before I let you go on with your days. A2 Milk, it is a hold from both of our guests, June Lu from Tribeca Investment Management and Claude Walker from A Rich Life. It's the brand that is valuable in both of their views. Uh, but there's just really big problems with, you know, the chain uh, getting it to ultimately Chinese consumers more than anything else. So you just want to keep an eye on Claude's view on the supermarket shelves so or when it stops being discounted. They just need some sort of sign, uh, an indication that some of those traditional channels will begin to pick up before they would buy. But it is uh, it's pretty cheap. Eight Common. This is a buy coming from Claude Walker. He's very interested in the company. He thinks they're in a really good niche space. He would be buying it today at this price. For Joombe, it's a watch and wait. First of all, you know, not a very, uh, you know, she's just sort of been alerted to it. It's a an, it's an competitive space because it's in that software distribution space. So she's just pleased to just watch and wait from the sidelines and that is what the story is from Junbei in regards to Pentanet as well. 5GG is the ticker code for that one. It is a very hot space. Uh, it's good to watch and wait sometimes to see how these things pan out. And um, that's what Claude says as well with this one. Also it IPO'd and it was a hot IPO. It's in a very hot space, you know, to Bay's point. And so in that case, Claude says the odds are pretty much against you at this phase of the company's development. Not saying it's a bad company, but just there's no need to rush into it. Energy One, ring the bell. It's a huge buy from Claude. He loves this one. He owns shares. He'd buy it today if he had the chance. It is illiquid, though, and that is the real sticking point for June Bay. Yes, it's got great sort of opportunities, perhaps tapping into that carbon tax narrative in the future. But... Um, You know, how could she be buying it if she doesn't know if she's going to be able to get out? And to Claude's point, he did say it's a lobster trap. I like that terminology. It really paints a picture in your mind. Janice Henderson Group, it's a hard no from Claude. He just doesn't see any competitive advantage there. He does own Australian Ethical, but it's expensive. Uh, Jumbe says that Janice Henderson is getting cheap and there are signs that uh, perhaps it's improving, uh, but she still doesn't Necessarily like it, should we be buying it? If if you need to look in that space, should be looking more likely at Pendle because it's got a bit of a momentum behind it. So that is uh, the final five companies reviewed by our expert guest June Bailey from Tribeca Investment Management. Thank you so much for coming in. It's always great to have you. It's great fun here. Good and Claude, thank you. Uh, we'll see you in studio next time. Thanks so much for dialing in. Have a great yeah. afternoon. Thanks for those buys. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks a lot. Thanks for having.
0: Look, I think it's great. We got buys from Bay. We got buys from Claude. Just very different parts of the market. So if you'd like to re-listen to this episode, we'll put it up on our website soon. You can also uh, listen to the show as a podcast as well. Um, any stocks that you'd like us to cover, just flick us an email, the call at osbiz.com.au. You can tweet to us as well at osbiz.tv. Stay with us. Plenty more to come. <laughs>